It's another Saturday night in comedy, and tonight on the panel, we're paying all due respects to the written word, with some of comedy's finest penning their own and taking a leap from the page to the stage. If ink is your drug of choice, we've got your very funny fix right here. I'm Dean Young, and we're about to go Inside the Joke. Welcome to Inside Jokes on Global News Radio 640 Toronto. Welcome back to an all new Inside Jokes, baby, right here as always on 640 Toronto and of course streaming everywhere where there's the internets on Global News Online. We got our producer Vince Tedesco on the line with us. How you doing, buddy? Things are well, Mr. Dean. Things are well. We are cruising along. We're heading towards uh, festival season is really right up around the corner here on Inside Jokes. Summer is upon us very soon, which, of course, is going to mean festival season here in Toronto. And, of course, the big the big date of the year, as always, JFL Montreal. It's coming up faster than we know. Uh, as we head into festival season, Vince, we got a very interesting one on the panel this week. We're going, as I said, from the stage to the page. I think I said it the other way around, but well, what we page have to the stage, yeah, page yeah. to the stage. We have the Word on the Street Festival here in Toronto. So we have comics, comic actors, sketch and improv people, a lot of people from the world of stand-up and stage comedy who are sort of pumping and debuting their written works at this festival. So it's all about novels, short stories. So these are all comedic performers and people from the comedy landscape who are now getting published taking part in this festival. So we got a full panel of talent there. We're going to find out what this writing festival is all about, where people can catch that, what some of these comics are writing about. And again, it sort of just kicks off our pre-festival season, Vince, here on Inside Jokes. Yeah, and writing is a, it's a hot, trending topic right now, as there is a writer's strike south of the border. There is so a writer's strike. If you're noticed, uh, your late-night shows have been in reruns. A lot of the other uh, shows have kind of taken a step back and are, are airing reruns because... Writing is everything, man. If you don't have good writing, you don't have a good comedy series, a good stand-up set. Writing is a big focal point to a, a lot of uh, the entertainment that you watch. So, interesting. That is true. Interesting. That is true. And actually, I, it's an interesting thing to pick a lot of this panel's brains about because, again, as comics, these are people who, you know, a lot of comics go after writing gigs in writers' rooms on television. Uh, and also as actors, very mm -hmm. much affected by what writers do in the writer's room. So we're going to get into that with our panel. Their thoughts on the writer's strike, what this festival is all about. This is Word on the Street. We'll be right back right here on Inside Jokes. Paperback Welcome back to Inside Jokes, baby, right here on 640 Toronto, and as always, all across the entire known MCU on Global News Online. This week's episode is brought to you by quite literally no one at all. That's right, we are approaching season eight, sponsor-free, right here on Inside Jokes. We are si newly single and looking to mingle, and guess what? There is, quite honestly, there's no sponsor too small. Don't be shy to hit us up. Do you run a food truck in downtown Toronto? That's fine. Hot dog cart? Why not? It's Canadian talk comedy radio. Anyways, we are heading towards, rapidly heading towards festival season here in Toronto and all across the comedy landscape. Before we know it, it will be the summer. It will be JFL time. 
Toronto's fests will be lining up. But we have a very interesting panel tonight and a very interesting festival kicking off here in Toronto that is all about the written word, which is kind of a hot topic at the moment, certainly in comedy and entertainment, the Word on the Street Festival. So we have some comics, actors, performers, all joining us, all with their own written works, all taking part in this fest. We have our returning friend Chris Siddiqui with us, who I think, Chris, we were saying before the show... Last time we had you on the panel was back in the good old pre-Pandy days where we would be physically in a studio talking to human beings. Imagine. Back in the old days, face-to-face, Dean. Right? <laughs> now it's all Zoom links from cat basements. That's what we got going on on this season of Inside <laughs> Jokes. We have Aisha Brown returning and joining us. How are you doing? Doing not bad. I'm all right. It's, I think we have talked to you during, again, what we affectionately on this show like to call the pandy, because let's make that whole thing more fun. But we have spoken to you since then. But another comic that we haven't chatted to in quite a while, also taking part of this fest, and also very graciously joining us from 9 a.m. L.A. time, Andrew Johnston is with us. How are you doing? Hi. Good. Thank you. You know, I was on the very first Inside Jokes. Yeah, yeah is cool. true. And that is nearly eight years ago. Yeah, that yeah. was exactly eight years and ago. Anytime I have been on the show, it always gets contentious. So, <laughs> <laughs> well, you're lucky, Andrew. This is the very last inside joke. So, perfect. <laughs> That's right. Brought to you by no one. And then, so, I mean, obviously, again, I mean, this, it's kind of topical. It's kind of timely. We're all here talking about this fest. We're all here talking about what your own written works are all about that you're promoting but obviously again in the writing and entertainment and acting world writing is a huge topic right now there is a writer strike afoot as andrew said there's a writer strike going on that is the talk of the industry right now uh which again we haven't seen a full-blown writer strike like this since 2010 and we remember what happened back then all the shows were airing reruns all the late shows were airing reruns and of course the comedy world was massively affected like that uh, I mean, Andrew, obviously we have a lot more to get into after break, but I mean, what's sort of the landscape right now in LA with all this going on? So not to be this, this, but um, just to correct you, it wasn't 2010, it was 07 to 08. So it was 07 to 08. 07 uh. Yeah, no, I'm quite up to snuff on all these things right now. So if anyone needs some fact checking, I think I can pull it from, you know, my <laughs> the show quite often. Okay. Yeah. yeah, so um, what's the lay of the land right now? Um, well, right now, a lot of, writers on the picket, picket line, you know, watching Imagine Dragons and stuff showing up to support. And, <laughs> and you know, I think it's a really cute selfie moment. Um, I think that that's going to sour a little bit in coming weeks. Now, the lay of the land is it's the, it's very existential. This is existential. It's like we either, mm. this either happens, like we either get what we're asking for or the business is done. The business is gone. The business is AI plus one writer. Writing ceases to become any sort of means of, of earning a living, never mind getting into the upper middle class um, or middle class, as it were. Like a lot of writers down here are already driving Uber. Like a lot yeah, of them yeah. are already, they already have roommates. They're already driving Uber. This is not going to be something that the studios think we're going to starve them out. No, they're already starving. Uh, so it's, um, you know, uh, but anyway, so no, the lay of the land, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's novel right now and it's about to not be. And I think it's going to be a very, uh, to quote Banana Rama and later Ace of Base, cruel summer. Um, <laughs> and yeah, not a lot is going to be going on. Like I myself am, you know, shuffling right back off to Toronto for June and most of July at this point. And um, yeah, I, I, I don't know. It's going to be. <laughs> Which is a brutal time for it because we're just now getting into a point where every, where comedy has gotten back on its feet and, you know, 
festivals and clubs and right. where everything was sort of on hiatus for so long. It's like, okay, we're back. Full swing. Summer's here. It's like, I don't know, but now there's this other thing. Uh, but it's interesting because obviously for this entire panel, I mean, Chris, you're a working actor. I mean, obviously that's puts a huge, huge dent into that side of the industry. I mean, Aisha for working comics. I mean, that ends up being the bread and butter for so many comics is finding work in writers rooms and going after those gigs here in Canada and stateside. So this has ripple effects really all across the entire industry, which again, we've just sort of come back from all this weird stuff. Could I just also add one thing that the DGA and, and speaking of from an actor's perspective and a director's perspective, SAG and DGA's contracts are up imminently. And I, I don't know. I would I would guess that there's going to be a triple crown strike. So, so it could be, wow, industry-wide, really, then, yeah, eh? Yeah, yeah. All right. Well, lots to get into with this panel then. We'll eventually talk about this festival, but uh, this is The sky is falling! The sky is falling! Again, (laughs) comedy. All right, we're going to come back with more of this possibly decidedly bleak panel. We'll be reading more word on this. This is the last episode of Inside Jokes. Right here on Inside Jokes. It's all over. Hey Canada, this is Aisha Brown and you're listening to the smooth, sexy sounds of AM640. Ooh yeah. Hi Canada, you're listening to Inside Jokes. This is Aisha Brown and thanks for listening. Welcome back to Inside Jokes right here on 640 Toronto and as always... All across the entire known goddamn universe, everywhere where there's the internet on Global News Online. This week's episode is brought to you by Absolutely Not a Soul. We are sponsor-free and come get it, Toronto. Anyways, we are talking all things written word this week. Again, a very hot topic right now, a very poignant topic of the moment in comedy and showbiz. Uh, We are talking about the Word on the Street Festival coming up here in Toronto, but we'll get to that a little bit later with our panel because, oh boy, is there a lot to talk about with this whole writer strike going on because, again, this entire panel, not only all writers, but also themselves, comics, actors, performers, producers, directors, this whole thing has a mass ripple effect across the entire industry. And again, as Andrew Johnson was telling us before the break, we also might see just what you called actually a triple crown strike happening because... SAG is up for renewal. Who else do we have? DGA, SAG, and WGA. That would be the three. There we go. Round. And then if that happens, IATSE would surely follow suit. Oh my God. Right. So we can have a quadruple threat here. I mean, yeah. again, for all of you, yeah, certainly. I mean, Andrew, you're living and working in LA right now. That's sort of the epicenter of this whole thing, of course. But I mean, Chris Siddiqui as a working actor, this is exactly when the industry shuts down. I mean, Aisha, as a working comic and writer, I mean, again, in in the comedy world, we're just getting back on our feet and just to a place where it's like, okay, we're back to normal. New audiences are coming out. There's specials happening. There's tours happening. The clubs are open. The festivals are full swing. People are packing theaters. Everything feels great. And now there's... (laughs) It's a writer's strike that's going to happen. But you had a very interesting story for us during the break, Aisha, about you. So you were working in a writer's room a few years ago. And no, we will not name any industry names, of course. Oh. But what do you think? The idea of replacing writers with AI? Well, it wasn't It wasn't uh, that long ago. It was, it was, yeah, it was pretty recently. I was in a writer's room and, and the showrunner came in very excited about the prospect of replacing us all with AI in the very near future. He was super jazzed about it. It was a little hurtful, but <laughs> but it, it's also like, oh, well, at least he's letting me know I'm I'm going to be obsolete in a bit. <laughs> right. him. But I think like if you're 
if you're kind of forward thinking and you you can adapt with the technology, then you, you might be able to use it to your advantage. You know, anybody in in the arts has kind of had to like even just social media is a thing that if you're an artist today, oh you God. have to roll with the times. Yeah, but I sure. haven't. I've decided to uh, <laughs> to ignore it. And I I regret it because the people who got on the social media train early made a lot of money with that. So, yeah. well, now and yeah. even Aisha, I was going to say to that, like people use that as a metric now like that is a deciding factor how many followers you have it's if i hire it's andrew so, or aisha andrew has thing. more followers down so. here down here it is like if you don't have 20k as a baseline kill yourself oh, um God. so <laughs> like, so like since i just currency they're pretty much it's, currency for me. it's yeah. insane no the number one thing is clout do they amount for any audience members yeah. no but anyway oh i can I just circle it? back sorry yeah. I just what each was the production that you were working on Canadian. You know it was okay. Well, <laughs> you guys don't even know. I'm Andrew Johnson is you a person. The you can count on both hands. Anything it out, yeah. I know, Andrew knows better. I have never. Yeah. I've never. I can certainly. I can certainly. First. I can certainly guess who you're talking about. Um, and <laughs> they, I think Andrew, I'll see they, that. I think I'll see that person in hell. But um, <laughs> that person there, but by the grace of God, go them for several reasons. Because if what is his name, Polivo, Polivare, whatever that guy is, the conservative one, he comes yeah. in. There's not going to be a scrap of grant money left on the table, and you're going to be out of a job too because that's the only way that these showrunners make any sort of like living in canada thinking well but i get to launder tax money so mm, there by the grace of god i'm, go I'm you. not saying um, all that i would like to stay employed thank you yeah. very much I the ai thing what <laughs> ai can't do yeah well huh. um I know someone who recently employed Chap GPT to do a 22 minute submission and it was not bad. Like, so yeah. there are certain things that are very mad libby that, yeah, sure, that thing can basically just kind of run everything by the algorithm. You can be like, yeah, yes, no. Uh, Chat GPT and AI, it can't come up with anything new. There is still going to be. And, right. And yeah. it, there, therein lies the problem because, I mean, again, taking obviously away quite literally the whole human side of this, but it's also at a time when everything already feels just so sort of template and cookie cutter. I mean, you need new voices in the in the world writing new projects and putting new things to the screen that nobody else is doing because we're in a time right now where it's just like, eh, let's just remake all the things. That's kind of what we're doing right now. Just let's remake. And we're not even waiting that long anymore. We're remaking stuff from five years ago now. So yeah. I mean, it's not gonna help that. The writer strike from like a few years back, I mean, that was when the reality TV boom happened. Um, yeah. And I, as a person who's, addicted to the trashiest shows on reality TV. I regret nothing, even though they might just come and take my jobs again. Like I actually watched The View the other day because they, they're they going on without w during the writer's strike. Right. And you have never seen anything more entertaining than Whoopi Goldberg going off script. She's mm. She shouldn't be on television. She's like, <laughs> but, but it, it's really fun to, it's kind of making, it, I'm wondering what might come from this, unfortunately, there might be some new type of spontaneous entertainment that we're not needed for. So do we have to get ahead of the curve? Well, well the other thing that I might add also, is a lot, sorry. Well, no, sorry, Andrew. I was just gonna say, wasn't that also the sort of the, the silver lining of the strike that happened too? I mean, Andrew, you probably know about this doing all your research into it, but we got some great shows because once all the writers went on strike, that also allowed them to kind of start working on their own sh Sorry, they're yeah, still working on their true. own stuff. Oh, we got you, we and got then you. they came back and we got like things like Breaking Bad and stuff like that, didn't we? Like it kind of forced writers to go, ah, crap, we have to work with this now. But then 
the the thing that has predicated both strikes in both the uh, 1988 and 2007 is trying to anticipate new technologies. In 88, it was VHS. It was things coming out on VHS. How do we oh. broker residuals for that? In 07, it was how do we broker residuals for streaming, or I mean, not streaming, for DVD, uh, shows coming out on DVD, et cetera. And now it's very much fool me once, shame on you, fool me twice, shame on me, fool me thrice. Your name must be Bobby Brown. That's <laughs> that. I'm quoting my Rudolph right now. But so now they are just saying like, because in each case, the AMTPT, which is the ghoulish cabal of people who are trying to take money out of our mouths right. um uh or food off of our plates our wallets whatever they are very much like well we just can't anticipate streaming it's like yeah no gonna call bull s word on that <laughs> and now it's um you know specifically with streamers you've got netflix you've got amazon you've got all these streamers who have never dealt with unions they've never dealt right. with unions so right now it's just very much like you should be lucky to have a job and it's like you know that's right. not the way into our hearts and minds um i don't know about something coming into like i think that the reality television boom is really overestimated from 08 like everyone oh, yeah. is hinting about the fact that trump started to host the celebrity apprentice around that and that's what really yeah. got him into living rooms i mean i don't really i don't know if you've yeah, noticed yeah, but a lot of people are making content constantly <laughs> you know, yeah. like TikTok is still like a lot of children are not watching this at all, <laughs> watching a traditional broadcast at all. Um, but you uh, know, when I think about like, think about something like Drag Race, where everybody on Drag Race makes the most of their art form, where they're not, they don't just exist on television. They're, they're like queens of marketing and they're really good at social media and they're really good at drumming out like just fast content. Yeah. And so uh, it's not that necessarily we're doomed, but there is a thing where like comics and writers and actors may need to start thinking of different ways to get their medium across if they want to it basically make money, earn a, earn a living wage. I mean, all of that now, from my standpoint, I resisted it for a long time. Talk about a very late adapter who is just underwater so hard, but my God, that is no longer means to an end. It's just the new thing. It's the, it's just, this is part of the gig now. Yeah, it's feels Tommy more, Whoopi Goldberg, it's about, I'm off script. <laughs> it feels more about quantity than quality, it feels now. Yeah. It really, it, it really does. It's How just does program, everything at the wall change. until something sticks, basically. Yeah, uh, oh my gosh, there's so much more to get into with this panel. Again, eventually <laughs> we're going to talk about this word on the street festival, but this right now, there really is. We have exactly the right people on this panel to get into this. Uh, we're going to come back with more. Inside Jokes, right here on 640 Toronto. Hi there, this is Andrew Johnson, and what the hell am I doing drinking in L.A.? Remember Brand Fan 3000? You're listening to Inside Jokes on AM640. How would everybody say about the bird? Welcome back to Inside Jokes, right here, as always, on 640 Toronto, and of course, streaming all over the multiverse on Global News Online. We are brought to you by... Uh, quite frankly, absolutely no one. We are talking all things writer strike right now. What a perfect panel for this. Uh, it was the best of times. It was the blurst of times. I think, by the way, that's a good kind of writing you're going to get if you start having AI in the writer's room. We have Chris Siddiqui. <laughs> we have Andrew Johnson. We have Aisha Brown, all of whom, again, this is the hot topic going on in the industry right now at a time when 
Oh boy, did we all just kind of get back to normal five minutes ago. But now here we are. Aisha, you actually brought up something interesting before the break because you were talking about, again, when the last strike of this scope happened, that's when you did see sort of this, you know, boom of reality television and all this stuff. But you were talking about how the other day you were you sat down and watched The View and it was just interesting to see a talk show like that just kind of go unscripted and they're all just kind of going off the cuff. What are the feelings about that in the, in the industry, by the way, though? Because I remember the last time this happened... Again, all of the late shows, which of course are so closely married to the comedy world, all of them were just kind of airing reruns and they were sort of just on hiatus. When you're still seeing people hit the air and just going, well, we, we're just going to do our own thing. Is there sort of a feeling of a lack of solidarity there? Because, I mean, writers are always kind of the overlooked people in the industry, which again, when something like this happens and the ripple effects behind this, we actually sit back and go, yeah, we forget how much we need these people. Something like The View... Uh, doesn't really rely too heavily, I think, on writers. Like the things that they're writing are interstitial bits, like things to keep them on track and and focused. But for the most part, that you can't catch that lightning in a bottle. That, that's uh, that's <laughs> off the cuff. So I don't think I, I think there is a little bit of controversy there because uh, so many of them are in entertainment. And the the wonder is, should you not be so? Oh wait, Andrew. Andrew seems like I just want to say as as soon as DGA and SAG go on strike, like some nerds will pick at the view. They'll be off the air. Don't worry. But like those, like Whoopi Joy, you know, like they're gonna be, they're gonna be in solidarity. You know, oh yeah. for sure. Yeah, it's a matter yeah. of time. So get it while it's hot. If Whoopi wants to play an old wise black woman on Star Trek again, uh, <laughs> she's saying, well, who gonna yeah, write that? Sure. Who gonna write it? Who? Yeah, so. <laughs> well, no, I'm interested. Are there actually AIs writing stuff now? Probably. Probably. Most likely, I mean, a lot of a lot of like listicles and stuff like that. Like a lot of oh, um, right. See, that's what AI is going to be for, and for yeah. doing grunt work, writing fundraising emails and stuff like right. that. But you really do like it cannot generate new stuff. Like it needs origin, like source material. What's yeah. the paradigm that they would like to do? The streamers would like AI to basically do templates and then have one singular writer oversee rewrites. Right, they will need that. They acknowledge that. Well, we can't make Netflix. will certainly try. Oh, they'll certainly try. But I mean, yeah. And like then I've heard of this concept of the mini the room where you put mini rooms together. Oh, yeah. Right. And then only those people in the mini room get the privy to what the story is. And then you well, leave out like what how writers used to come up is that they'd be like story editors. They sit in the room with you. They right. learn from. Well, these and to be per- to- microcosm, right? Like we are. We're not uh, like I personally am not that affected yet. Like it right. will, might, there will be a ripple effect, but because uh, most of the shows I write for are Canadian made and on yeah. Canadian television yeah. and watched by like five or six Canadians, then like there, then you know, then I, I don't really feel it the same way. But uh, they, it's also a, a bigger industry. Like yeah. writers in in America make a lot more money than I do. Yeah. WGC right no, now come on. able to work oh, on yeah. well not really see right now know. when you were talking to circle gals. back what's that I, I like I know some guys, like, they, maybe it's just me but I feel like there's more opportunity there so so I'll there's give you two examples out. the mini rooms right now to the MBA the mandatory basic amount um the mini rooms are basically writers are paid on staff that is capping out at eight grand a week okay when you consider that that's for I don't know for eight weeks 
that's not a livable wage in Los Angeles. No, <laughs> so no. so they're not be give, being given script fees right now, which is really where you know the money comes from. The, but the mini room, so they do all this legwork kind of thing in the mini room, and then it's just up to the showrunner to do rewrites. Right. Uh, writers aren't on set, so. Um, in my building here, it's sort of like a little Melrose place sort of thing in LA. And there are a bunch of boys who are in film production. Um, they're all 27. They were over the other night, like at our balcony, we were drinking. And I said, you know, if DGA goes on strike, because they were saying like, well, I don't want you know, because like, I'm still doing PA work. I'm like, yeah, everything is possible when you're that age. We are fighting right now. Or these this fight is to guarantee you some upward mobility, because right. that's the big thing. Writing should be the upward mobility of comedians. <laughs> that should be something that you graduate towards and how you are able to afford a middle-class lifestyle. Right. And so just, yeah, can robots do this? Maybe. They're not going to though. Like we are going to be like garbage men striking and it's just kind of like, yeah, like we are going to flex muscle. You do need us. We will stand in solidarity. And I don't care if robots can do that. Like, just like, this is upward mobility. That is the only upward, like it just, you need somewhere to grow from. I, I uh, the absolutely other agree. I think they're, they're fighting for something really important, but it's funny because I think Canadians, we watch it kind of like, we look at Americans as aspirational. Like from the yeah. moment I started uh, comedy, people are asking me, when are you moving to the US? When are you moving to the US? Yeah, me too. I fought it hard because I hate paperwork and I'm uh, scared of the police there. <laughs> and then I'm also just kind of lazy. And so I, I was happy with the humble career I'd carved out for myself here. But the, the truth is everybody knows that if what you really want is huge success, you go to the US. So a yeah. lot of Canadian entertainers are watching that because their their end of day plan is to go there. And this is a weird thing. Even I've experienced this like over I had everybody said like, oh, you know, during the pandemic, it was tough to talk about work because everyone was like, oh, it's, you know, I, I'm not getting work. I w weirdly had a bunch of work during the pandemic, but it was all these American shows that came here ah. and were shooting here. Yeah. And usually what they do when they bring on a day player or whatever, they'd fly someone in from L.A. or Chicago, New York. But because of the pandemic rulings and like, ah, I guess we have to use these bums from Toronto. But realizing then we're all bums that haven't been given work ever. So we just keep grinding and grinding and getting better. And then suddenly we're on this American TV show and all these people are going, hey, these bums from Toronto ain't too bad. And we're like, yeah. Well, sure, no one gives us a chance, even in our New own York country. Like, like the work I got the second in my they own fly, country. And then the second they can farm Americans back up there, they do. And, exactly. and that's what's going to happen. I think, <laughs> yeah. I think that there is, I think that there is a hope and hope springs a turtle, you know, starring Meryl Streep and Tommy Lee Jones. I remember <laughs> in 2007, 2008 thinking, oh, maybe things will come up here. And that's never going to happen. I well, even if we look at, again, our own friends over at JFL, if you look at the festival the year before last, because of course last year was like, Everything's wide open. It's the 40th anniversary. And da, 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 the oh, right. festival is back in full form. But if you look at the year before that, during the sort of tail end of COVID, where it was sort of a hybrid live in person slash digital rooms only festival, that was the one year in history. Everybody was like, look at that. An entirely Canadian lineup. Yes, because the border is closed. This right. will be again. Don't oh, forget. I remember it well. <laughs> Yeah, I benefited from that. <laughs> there is a little bit of a feeling as a Canadian sometime at, at, at like whenever Americans are around, you always feel like the hotel lotion, right? Like people <laughs> they, they'll, they'll tolerate you, but they're they're yeah. really going to go for what they want, and then yeah. if you're in a bind, they'll kind it's, of for that. I can tell you from being on the ground here, I'm just like 
we might as well be Canadians might as well be Iceland, like Icelanders. Like you are not part of the conversation. I, I always thought that we were my goodness. No, you might as well be in like Denver or any other sort of like smaller American market. You are, I still feel even within our own country, we're like that. Yeah. Oh, of course, no. Except it's for like Quebecers you... who have their own Hollywood. Well, they have their own thing God, going on. Yeah. And oh, I, I, I think it's fantastic. I wish we had that. I wish well, we because had... they have linguistic isolation. Canadians, yeah. uh, you know, I, I've I've been beating this drum for forever. Just you know, the fact that like we really don't have any sort of national identity that is that foreign to Americans. That is why we can succeed in the states. So that is number one because oh, we can right. assimilate very quickly but that's why we there's not any sort of like need to see our culture represented there's just right. not they there's just it, not it a is, need for a mirror it is true we're sort of you know regarded as the replacement product we're like the margarine of showbiz i can't believe it's not famous but anyways <laughs> we're back and up with this panel none of whom have anything to do with this writers festival <laughs> in Toronto, and that's fine because there's what there's a festival more interesting things yeah there's a <laughs> Book festival, look at that. Uh, we're gonna do it, wrap it up with our panel again. Lots going on in the industry right now, lots to talk about with this panel. We'll be back with more inside jokes. Hey, what's up, Canada? It's Chris Siddiqui. I'm not doing anything with my life, but I'm doing this. You're listening to Inside Joe. Staring at the blank page before you open up the dirty window. Let the sun illuminate the words that you could not find. Reaching for something in the distance. So close you can almost taste it. Release your Welcome back to Inside Jokes right here on 640 Toronto. Brought to you by... Uh, no one. Our sponsors are also on strike as we approach season eight. Uh, we have a full panel. We are talking all things writer strike right now with some of our returning friends of the show. Uh, also, by the way, Toronto, there is a writing festival taking place in this city called Word on the Street Festival. Uh, you can look up the dates for that. None of whom on our panel are even remotely associated or involved with that festival. So just... Yeah. Side note. Word on the street is none of you are going to that, are you? Word on the street is none of you. Side note there. But, of course, again, writing is a big pertinent topic in comedy and entertainment right now because uh, there's a very pseudo-apocalyptic writer strike yes. happening now. Uh, and, of course, again, this might just ripple through the entire industry and we might see all of the guilds shut down for, uh, again, Andrew Johnston is on our panel and has a prediction of how long he thinks that might go for because he's, of course, in the heart of all this in L.A. right now. Andrew, what is your... So you're saying... All of the guilds could go. Then maybe, uh, let's see, how long do you think all this stuff could okay. last? Two salient points here. So DGA, a rep from the DGA was spotted coming out of the AMTPT uh, headquarters. Their contract isn't up until some point in June. It's very normal, though, that reps would just sort of like softening it, just being like, here's what to expect. Here's what to expect. Apparently, he was seen storming out. That's a really big deal because the DGA, there's just fewer of them. So it's easier to sort of like broker with them. And right. that's a really big deal. It's just we are fighting over residuals right now. This, the days of the streamers being like, we're not going to show you how much the ratings are. Ooh, like that. <laughs> 
that. Like they can savor those last days of that. Anyway, um, the other big thing is eight weeks from May 2nd, I believe. That's an important date to look at because there is in all the overall deals during the boom time of streamers, your Ryan Murphy's, your Shonda Rhimes, your Greg Berlanti's were given hundreds of millions of dollars worth of deals for just to get exclusivity over them. Now there is a force majeure clause at the eight week point being like due to an act of God, civil unrest, an earthquake or a strike, those deals are null and void and they can be right. renegotiated. Oh. So all that money is going to come back to the streamers. They're going to be able to go to their their shareholders and be like, look at how much money we actually made. Right. <laughs> and so that is a big thing. I just don't even think you're going to have talks until then because I think that that is... I think the AMTP2, the studios are like, let's, yeah, this is sort of part of our end game is to null and void these overall deals. So that is a big thing. Um, it just, but to circle back to what I was saying, writers are already starving. Like this isn't like anyone's living some lifestyle that they've become accustomed to. That's like, yeah. oh, I just really need my caviar and, and you know, like, well, no, they're already driving about... Uber. They're already driving yeah. Postmates. Yeah. Like, <laughs> like yeah. the people at the top and how much money they're making and how it doesn't really uh, it doesn't really trickle down <laughs> to the right to the people who are giving them the product yeah. that's making them the money. Yeah. It's, it's That's the thing. Cause I think it's hard to kind of empathize when you, cause everybody's struggling right now. So when people hear something like a writer's strike, they, they are picturing that they're like, Oh, can, can you not plug in your Tesla? Can you, <laughs> nobody right. has kind of empathy no for anyone in entertainment. And I understand it because there's struggle everywhere, but I like, but my my thing is always look at who's at the top and who's making money at the top and how how what the disparity is. That's really mm -hmm. the. Mm -hmm. Well, I mean, certainly I think, I, th I think the, and I mean, just for any Canadians thinking like, well, all the bit more work for us, it's not going to happen. WGC <laughs> is face down, ass up for WGA. They are going to do whatever GA said. And any WGC people who think like, I'm going to grab this work and then, you know, move up, you will never get into WGA. This is like a mafia union. They will blacklist you like you wouldn't believe. So <laughs> don't even think about it <laughs> back there. <laughs> but um, I, uh, I think that this has the potential to make enormous systemic change. I think like it's like the Hunger Games where it's like, I've heard there was a riot in District 8. Well, that empowers us. The, the guild over in the UK is thinking about this now. In South Korea, oh. where all this content is going to come from in the interim. Yeah. Um, I know non-factual or non-scripted producers in LA too. And they're like, if the networks are trying to tell you right now that they have banked all this unscripted, they are lying. She's like, I haven't worked in six months. Like they are, they do not like their cards right now are all jokers. So <laughs> that's um I think that this I think that this could really send ripples through uh, just the industrial workforce of today um you know full stop and I it hope should. it does because there's a lot of bad TV nowadays you yeah. know there's only a few good shows and the other thing about actors unions, like, I don't know, I, you must have heard this. They have now, like, there's a show called Bob Loves Abishola. I don't know if you know that. They have a cast of maybe 10. All but the main two have been reduced to guest star roles. They're recurring. They're wow. shooting nine episodes of a 10, 10 episode season, but they're billed yes. under guest star. They're not getting res residuals. Like all this stuff is just, it is a living wage. That is yeah. what anyone wants. And you have streamers who have never dealt with unions before. They literally think the monkey at a typewriter thing, Dean, that you so elegantly yeah. referred to from the Simpsons. <laughs> they think that it is, should just be like that. And um, well, it's going to be rude. Well, and I mean, you know, for our Canadian listeners and people in Canadian comedy, I mean, that's spiritually akin to what we're already used to up here, certainly. I mean, we remember a few years ago, just before the pandemic, when the whole 
struggling Canadian comedy was trying to get those residual payments from airplays on Sirius XM, which again, okay. all that was going to be taken no, away. And that was a lot of comics no. going like, this is like, Oh, that was $500 a month, you know, yeah. like and, if you want to have an episode dedicated to that, I can walk you through an oral <laughs> history about how that one went down. I was, honey, I was there. And that, that is, that is what we're yeah. so used to in this country, right? Is, I mean, you're, you're already sort of fighting tooth and nail for the absolute yeah. bare minimum at all times. And I mean, that's sort of, I think that's why this is so relatable on the Canadian side, looking at these, when the writer strike like this happens, because like, Yeah. That's sort of the heart and soul of the industry in so many ways, but they are overlooked and just easily swept under the carpet and nobody cares. Yeah. And then the thing with this country too, is that we don't even get residuals. It's built into our contract to be like, Hey, we don't want to pay you after the fact. So can we just give you like 15 bucks off the top and then call it that? Yeah. yeah like, oh, well, okay. Yeah. This is the only time I'm going to work in four months. So. There's also like, this is the first time most people, because a lot of writers step into writing from a performance background or from, from a background where they aren't expecting to make any money. Like, yeah. I think my my regular job before I started stand-up was I was doing customer service at some place that uh, like sold mannequins that cry. <laughs> <It's awful. laughs> what? Terrible. That's a bit. That's a bit. <laughs> And um, probably a market for that now. Yeah. (laughs) But when I like when I started making money, like I've I've never been a person who made money. So I I was just thankful to have it and wasn't really questioning whether it was equitable or fair or exactly everything I should be getting. And I think that's how the industry takes advantage of you. They make you feel expendable and they take advantage of the ignorance of the average person who's stepping into uh, making um, a wage for the first time in their life. That's ex- and that's exactly what they're counting on right now, too. I mean, it, one of the stipulations that the WG is making is that, you know, you're going to be retaining these junior writers through production so that they can have on set experience. They can learn how to show run. That is don't over like don't underthink this. If that's an expression, that's what they want. They want to cut off this pipeline and make a bunch of disconnects so that they can just, you know, pay showrunners less going forth because they right. didn't how this actually this worked. It's very, I, it's very intentional. You know, it's very intentional. It's very the districts versus the capital, right? Also, now. isn't the concept of showrunners still pretty new as well? Like back in the eighties, you know, when Dynasty and stuff, they didn't have showrunners. They had like head writers. They had writers on the on the on the set and stuff. Right? Trending. Nomenclature would have been different, but yeah, yeah, I mean, right. Because right. now in the now in the era of like you know these streaming shows that are more cinematic it's sort of the the, the showrunner is now the auteur of well, yeah isn't it By aaron way, spelling it, would have been aaron spelling was like showrunner oh, yeah, right, of course right? yeah. you know, like you know so and then the yeah, shapiros yeah. or whatever esther shapiro i think her name was she was like head writer but he was a showrunner go on but you know what showrunners now are like common names like household yeah. names absolutely I, I I could really do this all day with this panel and it's kind of funny because originally this was about a book festival and uh now we're just going to call this episode either we're all going to die ellipsis again or uh, get out well you can for anybody who's attempting a life in comedy who might be listening to this one. Uh, but again, this said, I, I love this. This ended up being great checking back in with all of you. And uh, for our listeners in Toronto, there's a word on the street festival. I don't know. Google that. There's some good writers there, none of whom are these guests. Uh, <laughs> find you all online. Chris Siddiqui, where can we find you on the internets? Oh man, find me on Instagram at the Sadiqs. Find me, I don't know. I'm usually in the Western Toronto, just bumming around. Find me there, (laughs) coffee or whatever. 
There, there we go. Andrew Johnston, where can we find you on all of the internet? IG Mandrew Bronston, TikTok Andrew Johnston 1999. I need to plug that stuff right now. If you're in Toronto and available Friday, June 2nd, come to the Axis Club. I'm taking part of the annual Cool Kids Charity Concert where I'll be singing Tom Cochran's Life as a Highway. And then I'll be doing my um, annual Pride <laughs> show, The Legends Ball at Comedy Bar, June, Friday, June 23rd at 9 p.m. Um, and tickets will be on sale very soon for that. There we go. Love it. And Aisha Brown, where can we follow you online, catch you live, all that good stuff? Um, You probably can't. I don't pay attention <laughs> to my social media. But if you yeah, want, uh, <laughs> sometime next year, I'll be on CBC uh, doing a Winnipeg Comedy Festival. <laughs> so. There we go. And once again, thank you so much to our panel because it was nice catching up with all of you. And uh, for our listeners at home, go check out the Word on the Street Festival. But again, do not expect to see or meet any of this panel there that is our show don't forget you can listen to all of our episodes every saturday night right here on 640 and stream them all right back to the dawn of time on global news online that's our show we'll be back next week or will we who knows for this week's comedy rx you're listening to aisha brown i did write a poem about my anxiety can i recite it for you guys tonight it's called anxiety hawk my fear is always watching and puts me into shock. An invisible specter on my shoulder, called the anxiety hawk. Its beak nestled by my ear, whispering a mean thought, fanning worry flames with his wings, like an anxiety hawk. Is he falling out of love with me? Did I forget to pay my bills on time? Do I need to worry about these hawk-specific hallucinations? Anxiety hawk. Thank you.